Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, I'm joined by Dwight Brown. Hey, Dwight. Hey, David. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you doing? Great. And also, like always, we try and find the brilliant minds inside and outside the world of human resources technology and the human resource industry to bring us what's the latest, what's going on in the world, and how is it affecting each and every one of our businesses. Today, we're talking to one of my oldest and dearest friends, Steve Brink. Hello, Steve. How are you? Hey, David. Doing great. Yourself? Outstanding. And so for those of you who have not remembered Steve, Steve was actually in a different role the last time he was on the HR Data Labs podcast. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey from where you were at Air Inc. and where you are now? Sounds good, David. Yeah, well, thanks for that. I was the CEO at Air Inc. for, for 12 years. So and went for a, wow. quite a bit of transformation through Air Inc. from um, from really more of a, it was, Air Inc. was more of a, almost an academic, almost a research company to a more commercially successful one. And through that made, made a, you know, replaced the whole, you know, executive group as well as then went on and actually ended up selling the company to a Japanese multinational with my last payout was actually in, in, in April of this year. And with that, you moved on. I, I hung around as was thinking what to do, uh, um, was kind of looking at the marketplace. And, and I knew of this one small company who had a mutual client and had stayed close with them because I thought it was an interesting idea. And uh, and that's where I ended up being asked to join them as president and chief revenue officer of a company called Uflex Reward. And Uflex Reward is a, is a company that's kind of a, a middleware, if you will, in the in the HR space where it aggregates all the different uh, elements of reward across all the disparate systems across the globe and across the HR function for, for, for companies. Uh, and Unilever is, is, is one of the, one of our signature clients. And so this isn't, this is, well, this is one of probably a ton of ways along your career where you've taken your start in compensation planning and made yet another career change, but really you stayed in the HR world and you've basically taken HR data and HR processes and HR technologies and turned them a bit on their head and, and widened them, right? Yeah. Interesting, Dave, that you said that, you know, why I'm a software guy, but I'm probably more of a data guy first. Everything that I've done and, and even, even working with you, even back in the Towers days and, and prior to that, it was about the data yep. and the data first. And the data is what really provides the insight and the, kind of the, the, the analysis that you need to make better business decisions. The software is an enabler of that. And so throughout my career, that's kind of been the, the, the bottom line through 
through going through with with uh, Criterion, which was a first company I worked with, and then then moved to Towers Perrin at that time, doing you know global job evaluation yeah. to for the job worth hierarchy in an organization. Yep. Then moved to Mercer, which was then a lot of all the salary surveys and the benefit yep. surveys. And then kind of uh, moved on to uh, to another role, looking at data research, and then ultimately with Air Inc., which was uh, global mobility data. Yeah. And so this leads us to our fun thing that no one knows about you, which is you were the first to release a compensation planning tool, obviously PC-based, back in the 80s. Believe it or not, I'm That's showing crazy. my age a little bit there, yeah. Dave. <laughs> wow. 1987 when the first wow. show release was. And an interesting story about that for, for you all is that how that product came about was Dave Duffield, if you remember sure. that name at yeah. all. PeopleSoft. Um, exactly. PeopleSoft as well as Workday founder is that he was at Integral Systems at the time. And he saw that that uh, it was an HRS system and wanted more point solutions and We had already had some data around affirmative action planning Mm -hmm. and succession planning kind of tools and asked to actually have a compensation planning tool for their clients. And that's kind of how it how it evolved. And it became kind of the beginner of of that kind of whole compensation planning phase. that the product wasn't even in in Windows (laughs) at all because Windows 3.0 was was hadn't almost been released yet, which was the standard that people really launched the different uh, Windows apps. Wow. And I had not graduated college yet. So there you go. <laughs> there <we> go. <laughs> Leave it there. <laughs> I will say one thing, Dave, is that, is that uh, for, for, for the listeners, uh, Dave and I go way, way, way back. And one of the things that um, I have some old stories that, Dave, that people don't know about it, just probably me and you, uh, probably several <laughs> stories. You know, Dave, it was 30, uh, 30 years ago that you you took me to my first NHL hockey game. Wow. Uh, the New York Rangers against the Islanders. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure the Rangers lost that game because uh, we <laughs> no, had they bad actually luck. won. They actually won. <laughs> I was kidding. You were the good luck for every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we actually had a good team back then. And yes. uh, yeah. And it led up to the 94 Stanley Cup win. So exactly. Exactly. And that was, uh, yeah, and you're the only person that I ever, that I ever set up on a blind date. And, and if, um, and I'll tell you what, that uh, oil and water are best of friends <laughs> compared to how, uh, how, how that date went. So I, I okay. still have to apologize for you about that blind date. Ah. <laughs> and we're going to leave that to the away, next, man. We're, we're, no, we're, we're actually not going to go there. We're going to leave that to the next episode when we see see Steve again. And he can tell us all about that. <laughs> That'll be the other fun thing that they don't know about me. <laughs> In other words, you're off the future guest list is what he's turning. No, to say. no, 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 no. I actually want to put him on the future guest list because I want to hear about it because I don't remember. <laughs> you put those things out of your head. <laughs> So today's episode is going to be really a lot of fun because we've been talking a lot about transparency and pay. But one of the things that we have not talked about yet is the personalization of pay, where people want to make choices around how they're actually paid. Of course, people always say the word more when it's talked about how they want to get paid. But it's not about more. It's about what and how. And so that's what today's episode is all about.
So Steve, the first question is, why is personalization of rewards important, especially today? Well, uh, well, there's multi layers to that question, Dave. So, so let, let me let me start it this way. It's like you know, you go to a neighborhood coffee shop, you stand in line, and you just listen to the different orders <laughs> of how people want their coffee. And I tell you what, nobody's the same. Everybody's different, and it's. I think I feel it's the same way with with, with pay. And it's going to be increasingly that way where people want it their way. They perceive it in a value of different ways of receiving reward. And when you look at future of work, and that's in the future of work I look at is, you know, who's doing the work? Is it crowdsourcing? Is it the gig economy? Is sure. it is it full-time, part-time, all that? It's how you're doing the work, but it's, it's also when and where you're going to be doing the work, right? right? When you start looking at that, people talk about, spend a lot of time talking about future of work, but they don't talk about the implication of what that means for the potential of, of pay. Right. And so, you know, a recent study by EY talks about, you know, how flexibility is going to be really important when you start reimagining work in the future. And flexibility is one of their key items that's going to be going to be needed. And so with everybody different and, you know, you want to make sure that you align the rewards with the perceived value. Everybody has kind of different views, whether that's a different a different time in your life cycle. Yep. You know, if you're if you're young or if you're all about closing in on retirement, if you're different kind of um, lifestyle, do you, are sure. you uh, are you married, single? Are you a bunch of kids? Uh, no kids? Are you do you have expensive hobbies? So we've always approached pay by saying, hey, one size fits all. Sure. You know, you're in this structure. Here's yep. the midpoint, the minimum, yep. maximum here. Here's your bonus target. Your bonus right. target is 20% of your base, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, so with that, one, there's a question of do people really believe in their performance management system on, on the bonuses or the bonuses really right. deferred comp? Or is it something that, that uh, they really believe in, that they're really being measured in, in, in the right way? It's that, you know, it's, it's from all of that is that the reason for I think we need to start stepping up and, and providing more personalization of, of pay. Well, I mean, look at the way in which benefits get elected, right? We've had the ability to elect whether we're going to receive medical or dental or vision or whatever for a long time. And the that's never really been a thing with pay. I mean, yeah, on the executive side, you get the deferred rewards piece potentially. But the question I wanted to ask you is, just like benefits and the executive rewards, which you can actually get deferrals on, it's a one time a year thing, right? Because the IRS still hasn't evolved their thinking and it's constructive receipt if, you know, during the year you receive what you're not supposed to receive in terms of pay, mm-hmm. right? From the, especially right. from the executive or the qualified plans on executive right. re- yep. uh, reward deferrals. Yep. How, how does that change or has that changed at all? Well, one is that uh, I'd like to just just say is that in HR, like you mentioned about benefits, it is there is things happening in HR. I mean, when you look at even uh, if you look at mobility benefits, the the fastest growing kind of policy in mobility is a core flex offering where you provide a core amount and you're able to flex it depend upon what what's most value to you. Is it more education? Sure. Is it a larger um, home where you're going to, et cetera? So there's already things happening. And even, even now, you know, with remote work, uh, Dave and Dwight, is that 
is that, you know, Google and Facebook have mentioned that, hey, if you're not going to come back to the office and you've moved to a lower cost area, you know, we might lower your pay. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're making it. It's all about trade-offs. And the trade-offs is, sure. is that I'm willing to live in um, Des Moines, Iowa versus mm-hmm. the Silicon Valley. Yeah. But the trade-off I'm going to get for living in that where there might be something that I really enjoy, family or whatnot in Des Moines, Iowa, is that I'm going to lower my salary by 5%. Sure. And I might be okay with that. That's a trade-off. Mm-hmm. So all these things are trade, are you know, are, are trade-offs. So, so when you start talking about kind of now you're talking about what we're really kind of focusing in on and just, just this kind of narrow area is between guaranteed comp yes. and variable comp, yep. if I can mm-hmm. simplify it that sure. way, right? Yeah, sure. You know, guaranteed is more base in yep. your benefits, where then on the variable side, it's kind of your variable and your incentive program. So it's your annual incentive or quarterly incentive, sure. or it might be your, your long-term incentive part. Sure. So the question is that... If you if you're going to you know start making changes around that and allow you to do to be able to say do I want to shift within within guarantee between between your which you can do you can buy you can there are companies that allow you to buy more vacations so that's sure. switching almost a dollar a dollar from 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 base over into benefits so you can do that on a one to one basis but if you're trying to do then more variable. Most people would not do a one-to-one with variable. You're just kind of going, you leave in something guaranteed and then giving up something with variable. It's like, well, why would you want to do that? So there's been a, you know, a fast moving consumer goods that they have said that they're going to actually move, give a premium of 25%. So think about this for every dollar then that you give up on guaranteed base Mm -hmm. and you put it into variable comp, you'll get 1.25% target related. That's not not a guarantee, though, but being able to get a premium for that. So that would be one mechanism of of how that could actually work to be around that. Now, now, to your point, there's got to be some guardrails, right? There's you can't put everything in, you know, I'll put all in variable comp. And there's there's a lot of different things that we need to have guardrails about. But this is where, you know, people, if I ask you all, would you want to have all guaranteed or would you like to say, yeah, you know what? I want more. Well, to get more, then you got to be more performance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. believe in myself that I'm gonna produce something more so that I can get more. And and so, if people want more, you can actually shift that to be more in variable comp. But my question is more around: there needs to be some kind of qualifying event, other than a one time a year election. There needs to be a qualifying event. Otherwise, to be able to make those changes, right? Like a job change or a life change or something like that. And I don't even know if the IRS allows for that. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by salary.com. Now, back to the show. So I guess the question is, how does this happen? How do you actually go through the process of making these changes, if not on a once a year basis? Yeah, I, 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 for, for, I, this is where most of the questions come up, Dave. It is, it, it is about the now, before, we've, if, we're, if I had talked about this just a little while ago, you know, two years ago, people would say personalization of, of base. Why, what, what are you talking about, you know, of, of base and bonus or incentive? 
people would say, oh my gosh, no, we can't do that. You know, don't worry about thinking. Now people are recognizing like, yeah, this is different. Now you're asking like, what is the mechanics of that, right? What is the actual mechanics? And there's really, you don't, you can't do this every month or this kind of thing, but Mm But what what we've seen companies do is actually do this on a on a, on a once just like your benefit enrollment. It's almost your total reward enrollment, if you will. Sure. And mm-hmm. and that you can then sign up to what you want and, and those type of things. But if there's if there's a given um, life event that causes you more that you didn't realize you were going to have a kid and now you got a kid, I guess that could happen within a year. Uh, yeah, actually nine months. I think Steve yeah. is the <laughs> given time frame. For Unless you're an a elephant. Kid. Or like my granddaughter came in only seven months, so uh, it can happen. It but, can, but yes. But from that is that maybe then you want to you want to migrate to more about about you know and guarantee you might want to bring some more and guarantee comp or, or whatever to to pay for your your new expenses of of having a little one and an and expanded family. So, Steve, I'm curious. Uh, you've seen companies implement this. What have you seen the reaction be from the employee side? It's. The reaction has been very positive. Now, it's been positive because in, in, in the one that I was very, very, has been more close to is that people like choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you don't go down an aisle for yogurt and just have one one version of yogurt. I think people would be disappointed. Right. You know, if you go to the yogurt aisle now, there's a lot of different choices of yogurt. <laughs> sure. And it's the same thing with choice with, with everything. And this is the choice. Whether you act upon that choice right. or not, mm-hmm. the interesting thing that there was almost the, the, the middle quartile, if you will, didn't make any changes. They were comfortable because they didn't know necessarily know or the maybe maybe we need to inform them. And again, we're, we can go down a whole path about engaging employees more and communicating with employees more and being more transparent with employees and all that. But then then they had the two tails and the two tails was those that were actually looking for wealth creation. Uh, sure. They put more of an emphasis on 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 incentive, right? They wanted more. They was long term incentive, et cetera. And then there were more that were at a period of their life that they or they didn't necessarily trust the performance management system, and they wanted it all guaranteed because they had expenses to do. Sure. So if you think about that, it, that's kind of how the ultimate results were from that, which was kind of, I thought was kind of interesting within itself, but everybody liked the choice. Whether you pick something or not, you liked having that choice, the ability to actually choose that. You know, maybe this year I won't do it, but maybe next year I will to see how it goes or, or whatnot. So you had those kind of different, different elements that was able to really provide. And, And this is just not you think of wealth accumulation was about, you know, maybe those that were closing in on retirement, but that's not necessarily the case. There's a, an Stop. approach called financially independent, uh, retire early called FIRE. And there, there's, there's several young people that, that want to get on this FIRE and they want to earn a lot more and then they want to travel the world and have hobbies or, or do what they want. And so you have, you potentially have those that want to maybe accumulate a lot of wealth up sure. front, work really hard for a while and retire at age 40. Who says sure. that you have to retire at age 65? Um, right. My financial planner, but that's a different story. <laughs> Mine too. I'm never going to retire actually. Dave, so. <laughs> I'm never retiring, which because I have a nine-year-old who will go to college, you know, when I'm, 
70. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess the other question that I had though, Stephen, and you're bringing up some great points. What about gig workers who want to get paid today and who, you know, on-demand pay has become a really big deal for them. Is there a play here for them or are they really just the the situation is they're just transactional. It's just day to day with them. They're not a good candidate for this kind of process. Well, you know, I look at I look at the gig work and where the future work's going on that. You almost kind of concentric circles, if you will. You yeah. have your core employees that have kind of a lot of your IP and just really sure. core. And then you have the outside, which is you just want to outsource things that you don't really care. You right. can actually get that replicated certain times, right? You could, you just you can give it to almost anyone. You know, yeah. you train them, they go through the process. Then there's that gray band between those, right? Where where they kind of have to know a little more what what you're doing to be sure. able to do that. Otherwise, there might be some some startup. So with those, can you treat those differently? Right now, in that in that gig, most of the time, you're just kind of paying them. A fixed amount. It's transactional too. And the question yeah. is, then do you do change that? Do you put in more incentives that might be team incentive right. if they might be working with a team and kind of bring them that, yes, they're not of employees, but they're kind of acting like an employee. Right. And so is that an avenue to go? And I would say yes. Is that, are there ways of actually doing that so that you can actually kind of have more team-based rewards for those that are working on Ken, if we all believe, which I think we do, the gig economy is going to continue to grow and those kind of contract workers, how do you then engage them to be that you're part of, you feel like you're still part of the team? One way to do that is kind of is is reward and actually providing them more of a variability in terms of how they want to get paid. So why don't we transition, Steve, to talk about the practical steps for actually adopting something like this? How do companies move forward if they think that this might be a really good idea for them? Yeah, the thing, the, the number one thing is that you got to have technology. And whether this is a commercial announcement, uh, <laughs> you don't mean to do that. But. Coming to you from Uflex Reward. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is what our, our software does. It's, it's, a, it's a platform that then, first of all, you have to get all the, all the allowances and benefits and rewards that you have across the globe, right? And so you need to put that in one place. And that's what kind of our, our software does. But you need software to be able to do that. A typical HRIS system will not be able to do that. It's not good at that. You need a separate system to be able to administer all of this, right? Okay. To be able to check on that and actually do all the things that needs to be done and and uh, and monitor and, and and the like. So it's a so it's a system on top of an HRIS system. And so that's that's number one. But some other things is that the culture needs to be ready. Mm -hmm. That, right. that if you're a more of a paternalistic type company, you know, you probably personalization might not be the way to go. But if you're more about uh, personal accountability, why wouldn't you want to do this? Why wouldn't you want to provide 10 to 25% allow you to flex that base? You know, right. why, why not? You know, it's, yeah. it's having that. So the culture has got to be ready from that. The other thing, and we've, we've tapped, we've kind of spoke about it real briefly, David, was that employees need to be well informed. This yeah. whole transparency, yeah. employees need to have the information to make a good decision for their personal interest. Right. 
So we need to tell them what's going on, what it is, what is the, what are the goals, what are the the collective goals or the personal goals that are very clear. Yeah. The smart goals, all that. It's yeah, very yeah. clear in terms of that. So it's all about well informed of, and especially if it's tied to the organization that you're providing information. But that's the positive. Thing. You can engage employees with more about this. Yeah. So that's a practical thing: is that they need to be well informed. So if you're not good at communicating. Probably not, not, not a good idea. No, no, but, um, but I think it, it goes back to your, the culture point that you made that some cultures don't want to have those communications and they do not allow for those communications. And it seems very 1970s, very 1980s, where you have that iron fist that says, I'm not going to let our employees talk about their pay. Uh, what? Come on. That's such I mean that was that was Morgan Stanley back in the early 90s who said, you know, I if employees talk about their pay we're going to terminate them and did. And you know, wow. th- that's that's the way things were. You know, now we're at a situation where the culture has now said, "Hey, listen, I want to understand how my pay is determined. I want to know what my competitiveness is and want to know why. You know, why am I being paid what I am?" And if not, you know, there's potential for suits. And so I think that the culture around pay is changing. And, you know, I'm sorry to do this to you millennial folks, but I think that the the Generation Z and the millennials have really made, you know, those kind of things, things we can talk about now. We can speak about how we're getting paid. And, you know, where, whereas this has been open in the municipal areas for many years and in college areas for, for especially public colleges for many years, why can't we talk about pay? And hopefully that's broken down. And so we can actually go that, that direction. Yeah, Dave, one thing I'll, I'll, I am shocked by the number of companies that don't provide complete, to, you, know, you know, digital total reward statements. Right. Not mm-hmm. just comp statements or this kind of thing. I'm talking about total rewards, showing, showing everybody online your total rewards, all your allowances, all your benefits, everything that you're getting, and be able to do that online so you can check on any time you want to do. The number of companies that do that, that don't do that, is just surprising. I know a lot of companies do this kind of manually. They do it an outsourcing. Yeah. They kind of yeah. you know chug along. and it's like, I'm talking about just doing it online. And I think the biggest thing is that because it's so dispersed, it's all over. It's benefits is in benefit systems. Yeah. Comp is in HRS. Yeah. And yeah. Allowances are in spreadsheets somewhere yeah. and, and the like. It's siloed. And and the effort that's taken to bring it all together is not an easy one. And the moment something changes, that all falls apart until someone goes through and does the work. And so because it's been so siloed, it becomes a you know a constant tail chasing exercise. Jeez, you just did a commercial for Uflex Reward there, David. Thank you. <laughs> Attaboy, David. Well, actually, Salary.com does something like that, too. So that was for Salary.com. Please see Salary.com for to your total reward statements needs. No, but seriously, it, you know, it is hard. And for those companies that do it, you know, kudos to them for companies who constantly are showing people how much they're getting, not just on the base and bonus and you know the short and long-term incentive plans, but also in, in your benefits plans as well. And other things too. It goes beyond you know just your base bonus and benefits. It also goes to the entirety of you know what's the relationship between the employee and the employer. 
Exactly right, Dave. Well, and I, I think that that ties well to what you were saying at the beginning of this question, where a lot of it comes down to the communication and a lot of it is cultural aspects of things. Because one of the scenarios that I can see play out is, you know, you go out and you say, you know what, we're going to offer you flexibility and rewards. If you take lower pay, you'll get, you know, X days more PTO or whatever that looks like. And you're going to have a contingent of employees out there that their first reaction is going to be, what's the catch? You're trying to lower my pay. <laughs> right. What, you know, and if you've, if you've got that cultural aspect already established, you've got that open communication and you know how to communicate these things. And, you know, to your point about the total reward statements, I think that that helps to pave the pave the way for those conversations. But I can, I can almost picture in my head sort of this little this hump that you have to get over if you start to adopt this sort of methodology for pay. Dwight, I think that's right. I think the part of the part of the issue is that we've had this one size quote unquote one size fits all for a long time. Yep. And so, you know, there's gonna be early adopters of this and there's gonna be then the mainstream once they see it working and, and other things and and people People start talking and, and everything else, and it's like, well, yeah, I want that too, because it's just it's just people have been so wedded to this in the past. It's, yep. it's like, say, it's you know, change is hard. Yep. And right. and most people, I would say, are risk you know risk averse in, in that in that they they don't like change. No. And so don't. and so from this perspective, I think there will be a, a buildup. But what what I saw happening, I, I th- happening more and more. It's like people are starting to see this. And, and it, like I said, mm-hmm. it's not mainstream yet, but there have been early adopters. And now it's like the word is kind of getting out and there's more interest in this. Like, yeah, maybe we should be doing that, but I'm not sure how, but, but, right. but there, there's interest in this. Yeah. Well, if, if people want to know how, I think we now know who we can call to actually get it to happen, which is callsalary.com first, and we'll point you to Uflex Rewards. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as you said, it, it, will take, it will take change and it will take um, some hand-holding and it may yeah, actually have to start small. It might actually have to start in pockets in order yeah, to I, be able to be successful and to test it. I like to actually start with testing new HR strategies with groups of employees that might adopt it and then see how it goes because, you know, it, 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 it sounds great and it feels great and it's the right way of doing rewards and whether it's good for your company and your culture will depend on how it's adopted. So this is one way of actually getting that to happen. Yeah, and and Dave, it, it's interesting because you know there's there, there's a lot on people analytics on your on your podcast. There's yep. quite a bit on that, right? But the thing about that is it's it's really data driven, which is great. And I'm a big believer in the people workforce intelligence, whatever words you want to uh, put the wrapper on. But but people still can't measure people's heart, right? Can't measure you know the brain. That that's information that's not in a system somewhere, right? And so, but. If you're allowed to provide even more in terms of choice, sure. you start gathering more information. If your whole entire, you offer this up and everybody goes to guaranteed comp and don't do variable, that's probably a little loop back telling you something, you know? <laughs> yeah. One, right. do they trust what you're doing? Are they thinking about, you know, staying with a company? Are they, you sure. know, there's a lot of interesting things by actually Going, it's not based on data. It's actually them actually selecting 
what's important to them can we actually start doing and making changes to our reward system that's going to better align and more engage, lower turnover, and and actually have ultimate better results for the organization and and the people in the organization. My goodness, doesn't that isn't that what we all want? Right. Yes. Exactly. We can't argue with that. So, Steve, we've been talking about the personalization of rewards and why it's important to organizations, how they would do it, and what are some practical steps of getting there. And we've talked about some potential challenges as well. What other things would you want to leave our listeners with before we close? I think the I think the biggest the the biggest thing I'd probably leave with people is is change is constant. It's kind of oxymoronic statement. Change is constant, but all of a sudden we haven't changed kind of the reward part or the compensation part. And everything else is changing around. The future of work, the the benefits, flexibility, all this kind of thing. But the one area that we really hasn't changed yet in HR is is kind of our one size fits all. You go into this grade, you get this pay, sure. you get you, you get this bonus percent. I think we need to start questioning that. Especially when you you know when you have a two three percent merit merit budget, is that something that's really motivating for people, or do we need to be thinking about this very differently? Because we spend a lot of time on you know bonuses, going through the bonus process, going through the merit increase budget, and those type of things. Is that really the best way that we should be helping our employees gain gain rewards for their future, but also is better in the performance of the company as well? I think that's something that we just all need to be, be be focused on, is how do we continue to enhance what we deliver to our employees? Well said. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you. Appreciate you being on the show with us today, Steve. Again. Again, exactly. <laughs> and we will get you back for that story that we never got to finish. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> It may actually be a, a blooper or a, uh, a B-side a B to this one. And thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you. And if you like this episode, please hit subscribe. And if you know someone who might actually like it as well, please forward it to them. Thank you very much. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.